Okay. Good morning, gentlemen. We're gonna have fun today. So we're um, we're uh, four lines from the bottom on Ayn Zayman on on seventy-seven B, and uh, we're still um, going through the laws of who you're uh, who you're allowed to marry, and uh, when converts can come in. And uh, today, uh, thanks to Samkhayrev, he mixed everybody up, so we no longer know who's from where. And even though we had certain nations that they needed longer time to get rid of their goyishkeit for it, to go out of there before they could fully enter the Jewish people. Uh, good morning, Dr. Yaffe. Uh, but uh, uh, the question is how we determine that. Um, so, Tanur uh, the Our rabbis taught, we're, we're five, uh, four lines from the bottom on Ein Zion Amid Beis. Banim below banus, divrei ribshim. That which we learned that uh, you can't marry these Egyptians and Edomites until three generations, even if they convert, that's about the men. But it mentions Banim, the men, the sons. It doesn't mention the daughters. So the word Banim tells you that it's only through the male line, not through the female line. That's Rav Shimon's opinion. It says, It says, wait three generations. It implies, it doesn't have to do with male-female, it has to do with uh, children, the next generation. So this is the big argument that we've quoted in our Mishnah. This rule about third-generation Egyptians and third-generation Edomites, does that only for the men, or is that even for the women? So now, Omer Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan said, uh, we're two lines from the bottom on Ayin Zayin Amud Beis, 77b. If Rabbi Yehuda hadn't brought this uh, argument over here uh, by this debate about the Edomites and the Mitzrim, he wouldn't have found his hands and feet in the study hall. There was another argument that they had, uh, and uh, in that argument, uh, he would not have been able to... Uh, get anywhere if he wasn't, um, if he didn't uh, take this position and clarify it over here. Uh, and we'll get to that argument in a second. That's an expression. He wouldn't find his hands and feet. He wouldn't be able to stand up. He wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't be able to stand. Kivan uh, Omar Mar, what is his argument? So the question really is, um, the, the Torah says that these converts, lo yavu bekal Hashem, they don't come into the kahal. They don't come into the congregation. Now, they're Jewish. They dunk, they dunk in the mikvah. They get a bris milah. What does it mean they don't come into the congregation? So, uh, usually it's understood to mean they can't marry a regular Jewish woman. When you marry a Jewish woman, the Shekhinah comes into your life. You're part of the kahila. That, make, that makes you part of the congregation. But the question is, are they... Uh, uh, what are they? Chicken soup? What are they? Are they... Chop liver, I think, as they say, like, what's a convert? Aren't they part of the congregation? So, uh, there's an opinion that they are also a congregation. They're a congregation. They're a congregation of Geirim, but they're a congregation. They, they have that expression of kahal. Um, there's something called kahal. Uh, in the old days, they used to call shuls were more than just a place to daven. They were kahal, a kahila. It has its own own idea of what it means. There, there was a, a community, right? A kihila is a community. So the question is, so, uh, so his opinion is that the converts also are a community. So therefore, uh, 
they have no, according to that view, uh, converts, the Egyptians uh, are, and the Mamzerim, they can't marry converts either. Again, one view is that there's Klau Yisrael, there's the Kihila of Klau Yisrael, everybody who's a born Jew is part of that Kahal, and then uh, there, well, except for uh, uh, Mamzer, and then there are people who can't enter. They can't enter that Kahal. So everybody outside is not a natural part of that Kahal. So, uh, but if they, uh, uh, if you say that the converts, even if they are not part of the natural Kahal, they are Kahal, uh, they get that status themselves. So then basically, who's the odd man out? the Egyptian convert or the Mamzer. So how are they going to ever marry anybody? How are they going to How are they going to uh, reach the third generation? Because who are they going to marry? According to that view that the women are already okay, then the, so how are they going to get to a Mitzvah Shlishi? So uh, there's, there's no one who they're allowed to marry. That's it. Meaning that the women... Mm-hmm are not going to be, the, the Mitzri women are not going to be eligible for the Mitzri men because they're already able to marry... Uh, Correct, Israel. yeah. Let's look at, that's what the last Rashi says. Let's look on the last Rashi on yesterday's page. If it's true that the women folk are totally permitted to convert right away, it's only the men folk that are the problem. Havilu kahal. Uh, and the uh, the women are part of the kalva us vasuris mitzris rishon vishniel mitzri rishon visheni, and you can't uh, you can't one generation can't marry another generation. How in the world are you going to get to a third generation? Vayavuli dei dor shlishi. How the Torah says the third generation can come in. So uh, back to the Gemara. So the Gemara answers maybe Dilma di avar. Maybe it means if he went ahead and married someone, he wouldn't, uh, even though the Bas Yisrael or Gioris really shouldn't marry a Mitzri, if he went ahead and did it, that's what it's telling us, that by the third generation we would accept it. So the Mara answers, the Elo, uh, the Torah doesn't usually speak to a case where somebody does something wrong. The Torah doesn't tell you what happens if somebody ignores the rule. The Mara says, well, isn't that what all Mamzer is about? Hi, Mamzer. He, he went ahead and he did. He committed adultery. The of The Torah tells you when a person commits adultery, what happens? They get a mamzer. So the Mordechai said, "Deili sura kasef." It tells you if somebody did something wrong. Um, it's going to tell you when somebody does something wrong. This is the consequence of it. Deili hetera. But to tell you uh, what is uh, when, like for example, that the third generation is allowed to marry in in case. The other generations didn't listen. That it's not going to write. The Morris said, "Hari Maxtagushaso." Well, what about if a person remarried uh, their ex and uh, and she had had someone else in between? Over there, the Ilhatera. Um, over there, it's telling you what happens, how how they the, the children are allowed to marry back in the Kasave, and it wrote it. So the answer is Hashem Mishum de Ikri Suhu de Kasave. There, it's coming to tell you that they really shouldn't have. He's not supposed to take back his ex when she married someone else in between. So um, that's really the discussion of when does the Torah get into certain scenarios and when does it not. If it said uh, the third generation of children, why does it say generation? If it says generation, 
Don't they? Doesn't generations and children mean the same thing? The answer is if it just said kids and not generations, I would have thought Ben When it says three three sets of children, I might have thought the third kid, the third kid from Egyptians is okay. In other words, when Egyptians convert, the first kid, that's no good. The second kid, they still are getting rid of their goishkeit. They're still getting used to being Jewish. By the third kid, he already can go into yeshiva. He's already ready to go. That's what I would have thought. Oh, the so, same generation? The same generation. That's why it needs the word generation. If it said generations and not kids, I would have said the third generation from Yitzhak Mitzrayim. From the, that's when the, in other words, the original Mitzrayim don't marry them. The Jews that were freed from Mitzrayim, they were forbidden to marry Mitzris. But maybe after three generations have gone by, for us it's been many, many generations, so maybe for us it's okay. That's where it says no, uh, that it's uh, um, three generations of kids from each, uh, from, from the converts. That's where we count the three from. And uh, we go after um, uh, when the, they convert uh, where it started. In other words, for three generations from when they were Egyptians. You need to write uh, three generations from them and three generations from when they give birth. There seems to be extra words here. That's what the more is, is, is explaining it. If it said they gave birth, I would have thought um, that uh, from the children the Torah is talking, meaning that um, the the, um, that the the that the third generation from the of the children would be okay uh, from the original generation. So therefore, the kasher of No, it's three. It's got to be three generations from the original convert. If it said from them havamina, I would have thought mitzis muberes. If you've got a pregnant Egyptian that converts, so um, and then what, so how do you count the third generation when she has the kid? Is the kid generation number two or generation number one? In other words, he was she was pregnant when she converted. So does that make him the same as his mother, which is first generation Egyptian, or uh, he's born from a mother who's first, and so he gets to be second? So this is like an why would you? Kind of yeah. Discussion, yeah? yeah, that's right. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you think that, that he would be? Why would you think that he would be the same generation as his mother? Because she was pregnant with him when she converted. It's like the kids, the, the Uber. The Uber itself, also. maybe, but once the kid's born, surely it wouldn't. They're not. Uh, so that that's what yeah, that's where that's that's why it says. I'm sure you'll do that. No, once they give birth, that's another oh, generation. It's in of lahem. Uh, and it needs to write it over here. How it needs to re- write it by mamzer? Why does it have to write it by? I mean, once we get the idea that uh, you, you um, uh, that the it goes from the original, I why does it have to keep on repeating it? I would have thought over here the reason that you can't marry uh, them is because they come from uh, they come from non-Jewish seed. They come from a, a putrid seed. They come from a a, a bad place. Abu Mamzer, but a Mamzer came from a Jewish person. Metipik Shera, maybe it doesn't, uh, maybe it doesn't, uh, it's not so bad. Because the Mamzer doesn't ever get in. 
Here maybe it's not so bad. So the Torah needs to write the rules for each nation that's a little bit different. Alright, what happens if a second generation Egyptian marries a first generation Egyptian? So what is the kid? Again, the, the, do you go after the mother or the father? Second generation, once removed. Right, that's right. <laughs> so daddy's a two and mommy's a one. So what is, what is junior? So, Bano uh, Shlishi, it goes by the dad. Alma, you look at the dad. If the dad is two, the kid is three. So this implies that you judge the three generations from the dad's conversion. The question is this. The mamzer is tainted. And it's a pretty bad thing that it's got to stay in the family forever, that they'll ne- never will his descendants be able to marry in the Jewish people. So this was one of the puzzles. Is there, is there a way for the future? For the, is there any way for the mamzer to, to be fixed? So Rabbi Tarfin says, I found a way. What? Ketzat, mamzer nasser shifcha. What he should do is this. He should marry a maidservant and havlad uh, evid. And the baby that's born from the maidservant will be a slave. Shikrua, and once the slave is freed, Nimsa ben Khorin, he'll be a free person, and then he can marry into the Jewish people. That's only if a mom's is a boy, though. Right. right. Uh, well, let's say he has a daughter, and then it's a maidservant. <coughs> then you could free the daughter, and the same thing. The mom's is a daughter. Uh, no, the mom's had relations with the servant. And their kids could be freed, and they could then marry in the Jewish people. Right, but if the mamzer was a girl, okay. Oh, if the mamzer was a girl, oh right, then uh, then it wouldn't work. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Then you're right. Then it wouldn't work. Um, but v'nimsa ben chorin alma. What do you see? Baster didei shadinule. You see that you go by the mother. So uh, that's exactly your point. If it's a girl, then go by the mother. Right. It's, it's, uh, the child of a, of a female mamzer is always going to be a mamzer. Oh, but do we go by the girl or do we go by, do we go by the, the father or the mother? Which one is it? That's the question right now. In other words, we said when you want to be a mitzri, if a mitzri sheni marries a mitzri risho, the child's a shlishi because you go by the dad. And we said over here, you go by the mother. Which one is it? So Gomorrah said a servant is different because over there, the Torah says the servants go by the mother. If a, if a woman who's a servant has children, they don't go by the father. Really, usually you go by the father. But when a person's a servant, um, that goes by the mother. It's like the, they're the, the, whatever is the, the mother is the property of the master, and whatever comes out of the mother belongs to the master. That, that case is basically a little different. That's what we're trying to say. So whether the father is a mom's or not has no bearing on what the child is. That's what, that's what this last little... By a servant. Yeah. That's right. By a servant, it's, a, uh, it's no bearing. But everywhere else, you go by the father. Mesiv Rava, here's a question over Yehuda. Menimen, back to Marcus Menimen. Uh, this was the famous um, uh, Egyptian servant called Menimen. I think that's how you pronounce it, Miniman. Right? <laughs> he was a Ger Mitri. He was an Egyptian convert. He was a scholar. By the way, you see that um, uh, in, the, uh, in the world of uh, uh, Torah, even people who were of foreign birth 
could become great leaders, would be great. It says, say, like, uh, you know, here you have this Egyptian convert, and yet he was from the great, you know, scholars of Rebbe Kiva. So, Matimidi Rebbe Kiva Omar, and he said, Ani Mitzri Rishon, I'm first generation Egyptian, but Nastasi Mitzri Shona, I married also a first generation Egyptian convert, Esselivni, and I'm going to make sure that my kid only marries a second generation, Kadeshio Ben. But no, Roy Lava Bakal. This way, my grandson will be able to be fully Jewish and marry in. Now, uh, because basically it goes by the mother. And I'm going to make sure he marries a mother of a second generation Egyptian so that their kids will be third generation and permitted to come in. If you go by the daddy, it shouldn't marry who? She, if she marries the second, he can even marry a Rafilu Rishona. He can marry a first generation. Because we just said you go by the daddy, not by the mommy. So that's a question on that story. So Amr Le Yochan Latani, he said there's a different version of that story. You could read over there, Tani Rishona, that he would allow his kid to marry his, um, even a first generation Egyptian. We said that he said, I'm going to have my kid marry a second generation. There's another version that says, my kid could even marry a first generation because since he's a second generation, his kids will be the third generation. Uh, so there's no proof from there because there's two versions of the story. He says, if a, if a second generation marries a free, it goes by the mother. His view is that we judge three generations of Egyptian converts by the mama. But what about the following case? A person separates a sin offering, which is pregnant. The cow is pregnant at the time. And then it gives birth, so now he's got two cows. So which one does he bring to get atonement? So he can do whatever one he wants. He can use the mother, he can use the child, because both of them are part of the sin offering. So it comes down to this question, how do we view the child? Is the child part of the mother or not? Is a child, uh, we're, we're getting into, like, isn't a child the mother? <laughs> and if the mother's first generation, so that it should go after the mother. Like, how are we ignoring the mother over here? And over here, don't we say, uh, if you want to say that the child isn't part of the mother, so then, it's as if you did two separate korbanos. If you have two offerings, Sometimes you did two in case something happens to one. You figured you dedicated two. So, you could use one, the other one gets to go to green pastures, gets to go in the retirement community, right? So you do two, and if you use one, the other one's extra. But if, you, if we hold... Is it, 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 it's got Kedusha to it? Um, put it out to the field? Right, that's right. That's why you can't use it. You... You can't benefit from it. You just got to let it live its life out in peace. He gets the good life. <laughs> uh, could be, could be. Um, yeah, but that's, it goes out to pasture. So, uh, but if you say it's really part of the mother, it's like the, uh, a sin offering has a child. You don't get green pastures. You get, you can't, this animal is dangerous. There's a, it's, it has to be shechted. So, uh, ishtik. That's a good point. You can't really bring a proof from there to see if I show yoldu. 
over there, um, the Torah says that you go after the mother. You, you uh, by the animals, it goes after the giving birth. Uh, w- our question was, it's funny how we went from servants to animals or from, from slaves, you know, from different nations to animals. But very specifically, by animals, the Torah is clear, you go after the mother. That, that's all we're saying. So Omerle, um, he said to him when he made this, uh, he sounded very wise with his teaching. He said, Carpania, because he's still He says, I, I, um, uh, he says, um, I see a, a, a great person, Laresha Ben Yamudi. Basically, he, he quoted this teaching like he himself said it. And he said, I saw your skull at the, at the class. He said, that it, you know, you didn't, you, you, you sounded very intelligent with that, what you just said, but actually you heard it in a class of a, of a, of a great person. Karpanya, your skull, Chazisa Laresha Ben Yamudi. I saw you at the class. You know, that wasn't your own teaching. That's as Rashi says. Because when Rabbi Yochanan is the one who taught it, time The reason is by the animals. It says they give birth. But so animals go by the mother. But uh, otherwise, you'd go by the father. It makes sense. Also, animals. You can't really know who the father is. There's no. There's no real father by an animal. Yeah, by by regular. Usually, we, by uh, by Egyptians and by uh, other, we go after the father, right? In other words, by animals, we go by the mother, but everywhere else, we go by the father. Uh, three lines from the bottom. Uh, what about if a woman converts and she's pregnant? So, and then she the baby's born. Does the baby need to go to the mikvah? So, but not so he doesn't need to go to the mikvah. Now we just said you go by the daddy. A mind philo. He should need to go to the mikvah, because you don't go after the mother. It's this is a uh, 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 this baby was uh, here before, and he didn't get mikvah. So wikitema. So now the question is a little more complicated, which is what happens if you toggle something and there's something inside what you dunk? Does the tefila work for both? So over here the mama toggles and the baby's inside. Does the tefila count for the baby? Now, normally, uh, the tefillah counts for everything that's there permanently, but something that's there temporarily, wouldn't the tefillah wouldn't count for. So the, the baby is only temporary. So how do, why is it that if the mother toivels the converts, that helps for the baby insider? The key tame is to Omer maybe it's because the Rav is teaching the Devar Torah, Well, wouldn't it depend on if it's an interposition, if the baby is like, uh, is like stuck to the umbilical cord and the water doesn't go in. So doesn't it depend on if uh, if there's something that's an interposition, then it's a katsitsa. If it's something that doesn't bother you, she doesn't bother having the baby in her stomach. So it's not an interposition. In other words, if the mother wanted to expel this baby, if it was a band-aid, something that you take off and you dunked, then it would be no good. But the mother is very happy to have a baby inside her. Uh, the mother doesn't mind having a baby inside her. Uh, this, this interposition is Vlada de Rabisa. It's her child that's growing. This goes with the Torah halacha, that basically when she goes to the mikveh, it'll count for what's inside her. That's what we're trying to say. 
why why does why are they trying to relate an interposition to whether she wants it or not? Why is that? Um, so, um, something that you want us to stay on is not an interposition. In other words, let's say, uh, oh, like, right. uh, so for example, if you title something that has a sticker on it, so if it's a price tag, you don't want that to be on there. So that interposes between the water of the mikvah and the vessel. Right. But let's say it's a sticker saying that it's uh, how much gold is in there or, or how much it's... Uh, it's a designer label that you actually want it to stay there. So then it's not an interposition because it, it's something you want it to be there. So here, when she has a baby inside her, you don't say there's some foreign thing inside her womb that's preventing the mikvah from touching her. This baby is not something she doesn't want. It's something she wants to be there. That's, that's the way it's looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> the notes seem to explain Rashi the other way, saying that it's that doesn't object to being covered by the mother's body. Therefore, the mother's body doesn't pose as a chatzitza that invalidates the immersion. He says it's the other way around. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, you're saying that's how he understood... I, I was thinking it's a problem for the mother. You're saying that it's a... The truth is we're saying it helps both of them. The mother and the child, both their, their dunking works. So... Do we understand that uh, by Tevila that, uh, that there's internal coverage as well? In other words, forget about the Uber for a moment. By, uh, by a woman, by Tevila. Is there an issue of chatzitza internally? Um, because then it, the baby could be a chatzitza. Otherwise... Right. So there, there is a discussion like... What the, well, there's a different issue, which is, let's say, does a person have to open their mouth when they dunk? Right? Yeah. And so then usually they don't have to open their mouth, but if, they're, if they wouldn't be able to open their mouth, there, there could be a problem. But they're not required to open their mouth or, the, or to spread their legs or whatever when they toivel. It's as if because the water could go in, it doesn't need to go in. Uh, um, but uh, okay, so I, I still think it would be an issue of interposition either way. But I, I, I thank you for the. I could see that we could be concerned how the child's fila would work as well. Okay, so let's we, again let's go to the bottom line. If there's something there that you don't want it to be there, then it's interposition. Now, if there's something there, even though it covers most of you, I guess with the, over here the baby would be the rove. It's not an interposition. As we turn the page, over here, it's not the majority, it's the, it's the whole, he has the interposition on the whole thing. So, I, I see, yeah, we are dealing with the child. So, Lumoris uh, says, so doesn't the child, it's not a question of, uh, it's partially attached, it's fully attached. So, how does the, how does the mother's dunking help it? That's how the baby grows. That's what that's the baby's natural habitat. And Rashi It's not an interposition to be uh, stuck to its mother. Why don't we just say and that's the discussion if yes or no. Not going like that. We're 
not considering the yeah. It's an independent thing that has to be probed. Um, that's Tosus question, Steve. Let's take a look at Tosus. Uh, second Tosus in the bottom on the previous page. Um, uh, he says, so basically what Tosus' answer is, our Gemara wanted to answer even not like that opinion. So there is an opinion that the baby's good because he's part of the mommy. But even according to the opinion that he's a separate entity, the, the tefillah would still work. I believe that's what Tosus' answer is. Okay. Back to the Gemara. Ki asu ravina, three lines from the top, over Yochan, ba'umas holoch achar zacher. He said, by non-Jews, we go by the father. Uh, the, in other words, uh, by the nations, by Jews, we go by the mother. By non-Jews, we go by the father. Um, and by the way, that's how it works, by the way, with Amolek and with other things, it goes by the daddy. Nizgairu, if they convert, holoch achar pogim shebeshnehem. Then we go by the lowest common denominator, as far as their, in other words, if the, the mitzvah rishona, mitzvah shniya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find that fascinating because uh, generally they say go after the mother because we're certain who the mother is. Many times the father will just disappear and you don't know who the father is. In the case of the Goyim, the chances are probably even better that the father could have impregnated and disappeared and we would have no clue who the father is. And right. then who do you go after? If you say you go after the father, there's no clue. Right, right. That is interesting. Um, I would just add, this doesn't resolve your question, but Rashi says that we're speaking about here, Ba'umus Besheva Umos, Neshama. The seven nations in Israel we were commanded to wipe out. So what do you do if the father is from the seven nations and the mother's not? So he's saying that over there we go by the daddy. If the daddy's from the seven nations, then we uh they they get wiped out. Uh so, and we don't go by the mother. Uh but I, I don't know how to answer Richard's question, which is that uh, the mother is more of a for sure thing. All the reasons that we we go by the mother, why wouldn't the nations go by them? I think that's that's part of a, di- a deeper subject, why there would be this difference. What happens if the father is from the seven nations and the mother is a Canaanite? That he, uh, and they have a child. Uh, would you be allowed to buy the child as a servant? Um, the uh, the um, uh, you're allowed to acquire them as a servant. What about if it's a Canaanite that was the father? That you could buy him as a servant. It would be a child that's born in your land, but not somebody that's living in your land. The question is, how do we define a Canaanite and how do we define from the seven uh, nations? Um, there seems to be a difference. And then we said, Nizgairu, if they convert, then we go after the lowest common denominator. What's the case? <laughs> so let's say you've got an Egyptian convert marrying an Ammonite commoner. So who's the worst of them? My Pogam Shebeshnehem. Ispe Ammoni Volo Ammonis. The mother uh, is not bad because she's a female. Uh, so it would go after the Egyptians. 
Uh, so over there, there's no pogum at all on both sides. There's a, we said if they're both pogum, you go by the lowest common denominator. But over there, where the mother's an Ammonite, there's no pogum there. El Abamoni, the, the father's an Ammonite, and he marries an Egyptian. So Izachar, if you go by the father, Izachar, Havi Shadayu, Basar Ammoni. If you go by the father, that he's an Ammonite. If it's a female, Havi Shadu, Basar Mitzris, then you look at the Egyptian. And the Egyptians, the females can't come in. So do you, does, does the, the so again, an Ammonite marries an Egyptian, and they have a baby, a girl. So is the girl um, an Ammonite, and therefore a female Ammonite is kosher because you go by the dad, or does he go by his mom, and he's an Egyptian, and the, a female Egyptian is not? So that you go by the. That's a good one. That's a right. That's right. Okay, moving along. Mamzer and Nisim Asurim. Uh, the mamzer and the nesinim, esurim v'esurim, they're forbidden to marry, even if they convert, and they never come in. No males, no females. Stay away from those mamzers. Stay away from those nesinim. They're always bunched together. Again, the nesinim, we're going to learn more about them. They were the water carriers that uh, got in through, uh, through sneaking in. They were the deceptive ones. Omer uh, Lakish, there is a view that they could have gotten in. They didn't have to sneak. But there's something about people. There's people that are cheaters. Even when they don't have to cheat, they cheat. Even when they don't have to tell the, they don't have to lie, and they still lie. It's just it's a certain, uh, uh, it's a nature to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he says, give them ten generations, and then they could come in. How do we know? He says, we learned from there. My lahal in the caves mutaris, just like. There, uh, the females are okay. Afkan the kevus mutars. He said, "We the, we allow females to come in over there, so we should allow a female mamzeris." So the more see, my long well over there, they can come in right away. So maybe here also a female mamzer could come in right away. Afkan meyad ki yahan exerishava mesir veelak. The exerishava only helps from after ten generations. We can let the females come in. I have a nantan mamzer and nesim aser iser olam. Didn't we learn that the Mamzerim and the Nesim are forbidden forever, no matter how many generations, whether it's male, whether it's female? So this sounds like a contradiction. The Gemara says you're absolutely right. It is a contradiction. There's two opinions. Again, it's a famous debate about when you learn from another place and you extrapolate, do you have to extrapolate it in the same way? Or you extrapolate it and put it in the new place, and it has to follow the rules of the new place. And we'll explain. Um, in other words, we learn out it uses the same word. Um, it, it uses the word ten generations. So it. Um, let, let's see the Rashi. He brings the Jerusha. Um Yeah, the the let's Rashi Masir Ve'elach. Um It's uh it's the last thin lined Rashi on the on the page. Don Mineva Ukibas, right? Lamai de uh Gamrinan, that which we need to learn out, we learn out. Lamai de Losrikan, that which we don't need to learn out, Mukiva Astri, we then what we extrapolate and put in its place. 
by what's the Xerish Shava that we're learning out Mamzer from the uh, Amonimoath? Lok Siv Ad Olam. It didn't say a Mamzer is forbidden forever. By Amonimoath, it said they're forbidden forever. But Amonimoath Siv Ad Olam. Over there it says they're forbidden forever. So that's why we're not sure does a Mamzer go on forever. Mamzer Shava. We learn out that just like over there, we can't marry Ammonite men, and we can't marry Mamzer's men or women. And over there it says you can't marry them forever, so we're assuming that Mamzer also, from the Xerushava, you can't marry them forever. But guess what? Over there it's only one side. So the question is, if we're learning out from Ammon and Moab, that just like Ammon and Moab goes for ten generations, it's forbidden, so we should learn out by Mamzer also, even after ten generations it's forbidden. But Ammon and Moab, it's only the male side. So if we fully learn from there, we'll only be learning the men forever are forbidden, but not the women, because over there, the women by Ammon and Moab were never forbidden. So if the source that uh, Mamzer lasts forever is Ammon and Moab, we only have a source for the, the male Mamzers, not for the female Mamzeruses. So that's the question. Or do we say, well, over there, anyways, the females were always okay. But those that were forbidden stay forbidden forever. So here also, whoever is forbidden stays forbidden forever. So do we, uki be do we take this rule that how long it lasts and put it in the mamzer sense and whoever is forbidden stays forbidden? Or do we say, no, if you're learning from over there by Amun that it lasts forever, over there it's only the men that last forever. The women don't last forever. They, after 10 generations, they, they can come in. So we have no right to learn from there that the women should be forbidden. That is the question. Back to the Gemara. A female mamzer after 10 generations, what's the story? He said, um, you, they don't live that long. He says, give me a third generation, uh, by three generations, uh, and I will purify it. Meaning that uh, you're never going to get there. It's, you're never going to get 10 generations of a mamzer. They're cursed. He holds a mamzer won't live. They're not going to live. I've, it's really the won't, won't continue, yeah? Yeah. I've isser, isser olam. Didn't we learn that they, uh, they're forbidden forever, which implies they live? So, if you know about them and know not to marry in them, so then Hashem will allow them to live because they're not going to ruin Klau Yisrael, meaning that they won't... Uh, the question is this. Uh, Mamzerim were created with a terrible sin. You know, this adultery, it creates, a, it's a terrible stigma to be a Mamzer, to be a, uh, in the, the bastard. But uh, if, the, as long as they don't marry into the Jewish people, let them live, it doesn't hurt anything. But if nobody knows who they are, and eventually it'll be forgotten, then they'll end up marrying in the Jewish people, and we're going to have that taint amongst us. So Hashem doesn't uh, want that to happen, and so he's going to cause them to die out. So, what if we're not sure? Three generations, they'll last. They won't last. There was a certain mamzer in Ravami's neighborhood. He announced in Shul, this guy's a mamzer. Everybody should know. He went home crying. He said, Omer Lehem, he said, I did you a favor, because if you were hidden, 
then Hashem would make sure that you disappeared so you wouldn't eventually marry into the Jewish people. So I did you a favor. What's the deal with the Nisinim? Now we're going to learn the history of the nation called the Nisinim. So why can't they, what, we learned in the Mishnah that you, they are forbidden to marry even after they converted forever. I didn't understand that just briefly. How did you give him life by announcing publicly? Because the reason Hashem doesn't allow them to live is because they eventually will get mixed into the Jewish people. And uh, we can't have that happen. So if we know that they're mamzerim, they won't get mixed in. So he was saying, I did you a favor. This way I uh, um, prevented that from happening. Um, and there is a Rashi. Lo uh, chayesh. It's like six lines from the Banish. Lo yitmuk shem This way they won't, uh, they won't get mixed in. <laughs> Hashem doesn't let them live in order that, the, um, uh, that they not get mixed in. Um, okay, back to the Mars. So what was the deal with the Nisinim? So now we get to history. David decreed Jews should not marry from that tribe of the water carriers. Remember, Hashem called them in, they were not Jews. My time, oh, why can't they be Jews? David made a decree that they can never convert and fully marry in. Why? This is the story. So uh, until then, they were like a separate tribe and they, were, they accepted Torah, they kept kosher, they davened, they kept Shabbos, but David decreed that nobody should marry, no Jews should marry them, because this, this was the story. There was a famine in the land, be made David show for three years, shana achar shana, year after year. One year was worse than the next. Rishona, after the first year of famine, why is Hashem bringing the famine? Maybe the Jews are worshipping idols. It says, if you worship the idols, Hashem will hold back the rain. So, Batku, they did a search. They, they couldn't find that the Jews were worshiping the idols. Shnia, the second year, the famine continued. Maybe there are Jews that are committing sins in private. Uh, they're doing sexual sins. They were prostitutes and other things. So, Batku... They checked it out. No, it wasn't that either. Shlishis, the famine continued for a third year. Shema, poskem, tzedakam, Maybe you have people that promise to give to charity, and they don't fulfill their promise. There, there are people that they promise lots of things and they just don't, they don't follow through. It's interesting that that makes the list. Like, in other words, we, you know, one thing to worship idols, okay. Another thing to be immoral, okay. But even people that don't keep their word, uh, that's, that's a basic, an elementary part of Jewish society, that your word, if you said you would do something, you need to do it. Uh, they didn't find any problem. So David said, it must have something to do with me. So, what did he do? Mahi, what did he find out? He asked, what's going on here? My mashma. So how do you know that? How do you know that word means he asked? From the word face. The face of God. From the penei. Asking the face, when you ask the Urimutumim, you're asking directly from Hashem's face. So what was the answer they got? El Shol. 
I'll tell you why the famine came. It came because of Shoal, a sin that the Jewish people had towards their first monarch, the father of our country, the very first king of Shoal. And the second thing was Albeza Damim, on a stain of blood on the Jewish people. So um, what, what happened? Al, uh, uh, what's that? Al Asherhim Givonim. Shoal uh, caused the Givonim to be killed, and nobody said anything. So that's the stain that causes the famine. El Shoal, what they did wrong with Shoal, Nisbet Kalacha. He wasn't properly mourned. He died in battle, and it was a terrible. The people were in shock. The Gentiles overran the country, and Shoal and his sons were killed. And the country was in such shock that they didn't properly mourn. Shoal, Shoal went to battle knowing he would die, but he went to, for the sake of the Jewish people. So, the, therefore, there was a, a problem on the Jewish people that they never properly mourned their righteous leader. So that was one thing. And the second problem was something that happened in the times of Shoal. They talk about this, that at the same time somebody can be great, it doesn't mean they didn't make mistakes. So at the same time, um, we, like to, we like to say one thing weighs out another. We have to be grateful for the great righteous Shoal. At the same time, what he did wrong had to have been fixed. He caused the Gibonim to be killed. Where do you see Shoal uh, executed Gibonim? What it means was Shoal killed out the city of Nov of the Kohanim. The Kohanim used to feed the water carriers. And they were out of a job. When they were out of a job, they died because they couldn't support themselves. It's as if Shoal caused them to be wiped out. So Ketav Shoal Al Shnosibel So Shoal was the the Jewish people were uh, Hashem f- uh, felt we didn't mourn Shoal properly. The Ketav Al Shehem is Givonim. Could we? Uh, would Hashem do such a thing? Doesn't that sound like a contradiction? The Gemara said no. In the Amar Shlom Ma'ik Si Bikshu Es Hashem Koni Aretz Hashem Mishpat Polo Ba'Shir Mishpat Sham Polo. In the place where a person is judged, they also mention the good things. Rashi Bashir Mishpat, that's what the teachers will tell you. In other words, before they tell you all the problems with the kid, oh, he's such a good kid. Bashir Mishpat, where a person is judged, I'm on the last Rashi on the page, that's where the good things are mentioned. We'll find out the rest of the story, another cliffhanger for tomorrow. Uh, but uh, that was the story about how, what they needed to do to get rid of the, of the famine.